The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. It's such a privilege for DNI to be here with you this morning. Um, Pastor Tafara started a series for us at Nisner Vineyard called If God Loves Me, Then Why? And we've been talking about why do bad things happen to good people? Or why do good things happen to bad people? <laughs> I'm in that category. <laughs> and we are still getting such great feedback from uh, Pastor T. spoke on Job and uh, that we can't have a Job mindset. We need to have a Jesus mindset. Amen. And that uh, God is good all the time. Hey, he's not a schizo based on your behavior. Amen. Which how many people believe that he is, you know. So what an honor for us to be here. Thank you so much for, for having us. We have really enjoyed our time with you. Mm, really has been a blessing. And I'll, I'll bring Mama D up at the end of the service because I believe that she has some prophetic words for some of you here this morning. But I've got a joke for you. There was a guy, he was in his late 70s, saved up all his money, and he thought it was good to just treat himself with a fancy sports car. So he goes to the Porsche dealership in Santon, goes and buys a nice Porsche Cabriolet, gets out onto the highway, drives at 80, 90, 100, 120 k's an hour. He's just enjoying driving with the top down, with a little bit of hair that he's got left on his head. Man, and he thinks, man, this is a great car. He starts to drive 140, 145. Next minute, he looks in the rearview mirror, he sees the blue lights are flashing. So he puts his foot down, 155, 160, 165, 170. He's really going for it on his way to Pretoria. The cop is with him. So eventually he thinks to himself, man, what am I doing? Let me just stop and pull over. So he slows down, pulls over to the side of the road. The cop comes to him and says, listen, sir, it's Friday afternoon. I've had a long day. This is my last shift. If you can give me a real reason why I should let you go, I'll let you go. So he thinks for a little bit, he then says to the cop, he says, you know, 30 years ago, I was married and I was divorced because my wife ran away with the traffic cop and I thought that you were, her, you were him bringing her back. <laughs> bringing her back. <laughs> So I know that you guys have been doing a series on prayer and what it is to be a New Covenant believer and what New Testament prayer is. And uh, I listened to Pastor T online last week and I just loved his analogy of the one thing that he spoke about, just that people are aflame, they are flammable because they are so filled with offense that they've poured gasoline or petrol on themselves and the smallest little fiery dart sets them off. And that we need to learn how to deal with our offenses. Amen. In the New Testament. You know, I think in the New Testament, we have the wrong image of what prayer is. You know, and for somebody like D and I, we've traveled 
been into every country below the equator, and we've seen that Africa knows how to pray. But they don't get many results. So we're a praying people, but we don't get results. Let's be honest. We do all-night prayers. We do fasting and prayers. You know what I mean? It's, it, we'll do all-night prayers for a keyboard. <laughs> Thinking that our spiritual gymnastics will somehow impress God because our view of God, you know, is so dysfunctional and distorted. We, we see God as uh, a grandfather who's a Scrooge. You know, he's... He's hard of hearing. He's slightly out of touch with our reality. And we've got to get his attention somehow. And that's how we view God, that he's stingy, that he's sitting on a big pile of money, and that we've got to manipulate it out of his hand through a 10% protection fee, which we call a tithe. And so our image of God is that he's a stingy old man who's hard of hearing. And that through our efforts, somehow we can twist his arm to do something that he doesn't really want to do. Hello? Now, I know it's not you guys yet. But you know, that's how, what they teach in some, some places. That God's a, a stingy old, old fart. And you know, that's not what Jesus came to show us. Jesus came to show us the very heart of God, that he loves you and I so much, that he loves mankind, that he would literally bankrupt heaven to purchase and redeem you as his own, so that he could express his love and goodness towards you, not based on your effort, based on his goodness. And so prayer shouldn't be this mindset that we take on that I now need to somehow get God's attention. And Jesus taught us about that. He said, listen, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees who think through their loud, long prayers that somehow they're going to get God's attention. It's like they have their reward because people are seeing and looking at them, tapping them on the back, bat, back saying, man, look how loud your prayer was. And you see, and that's what we think prayer is. We think, you know, all night prayer, half the night we're shouting at God, and the other half we're shouting at the devil. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget, we were doing a crusade, and um, what we would do during the crusade, we would empower our teams also to do evangelism house to house. So I ended up at the witch doctor's house. And so I went into the witch doctor, I shared the gospel, she gave her life to Jesus and all her children. So I went back and I told the pastor, the pastor went, oh, no, you have just made life hell for me. I said, what are you talking about? The witch doctor just gave her life to Jesus. He said, no, she's going to, all the demons in hell are going to be unleashed on me now. <laughs> because people have this mindset that the devil is like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and that Jesus is like a skinny marathon mar runner who hasn't who's just finished a marathon and hasn't eaten in three weeks. <laughs> Friends, it's the opposite. Yeah, amen. We have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that resides within us. So prayer shouldn't be this mindset that we take on as a new covenant believer 
where I need to go through these spiritual uh, exercises to try and get God to do something. So prayer is about establishing truth in my heart. Prayer is about me seeing myself the way God sees me. That I've been empowered by the Spirit, that the greater one lives inside of me, that I have the name that is above all names, that I'm a co-heir and co-laborer with God. Prayer is about establishing a Bible sense of self-worth in my heart, where I start to live the way God intended me to live as a son of God where I'm walking with a sense of authority, where I, I'm walking knowing that I'm loved and that I'm valuable and that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Prayer is about launching me into this personal relationship with Jesus, knowing God as my Father, establishing a loving, wholesome relationship with God. See, when I take on those mindsets and thoughts about prayer, it takes me away from this mindset that I'm going... How many of you fell into the trap of those early morning prayers? When you woke up... My wife said, not me. <laughs> Set my alarm, you know, for 4.30 in the morning to get up, kneel and pray in tongues and then wake up and spend the rest of the day in guilt because I fell asleep in my prayer time. Thinking that prayer was, I go and spend an hour in my prayer closet and then the rest of the day I do as, my ple- do as I please. Not knowing that prayer is this dialogue with God. Where we are talking and he's talking to me and I'm talking to him. They asked Swil- Smith Wigglesworth, how long do you pray? He said, not longer than 10 minutes. And then he says, but 10 minutes doesn't go by when I don't pray. This is a living dialogue with the one who lives inside of us. And we need to let go of this mindset, God is up there somewhere, and I'm down here somewhere. And that my prayer is to get all excited and fervent so that somehow God who's up there will hear me. You know the reason why we bow our heads when we pray? So that we can see Christ in us. He's with us. He's in us. He's for us. And this is about a living dialogue with the one who loves us unconditionally and extravagantly. So, you know, the disciples, when they saw Jesus and they saw the results that he had and they saw how he prayed, they asked him, teach us how to pray, Lord. And then he gave them the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know that prayer? And so that's a great model for us to use to get our hearts established in truth and in who we are as sons and daughters of God. But there is a line there that I've never heard in prayer meetings. Lead us not into temptation. I've never heard that in prayer. I don't know why. (laughs) Oh, thank you for that thunderous applause. I mean, it just went deathly quiet right now. But you know, avoiding temptation is so much better than having to overcome temptation. And Jesus prayed, lead us not into temptation. Lead us away from temptation, from testing, from trials, from hardships. That's what the word temptation there means. It means lead us away from this place where I feel like my life is being scrutinized. Lead me away from this place where I'm believing lies, untruths, where I'm rather connecting to a fleshly dysfunctional 
mindset. Lead me away from that. Lead me into this place that is far from that scrutinization, that testing, then that, that place of trial. So I want to leave you a couple of things regarding temptation. The first is you've got to know that we all face temptation. If you want to be free from temptation, then you need to die. <laughs> you live in a fallen world and there will be opportunity for you to be tempted. But do you know that you can only be tempted where you sense lack? Think of this world system. Every advertisement that they are advertising is they are promoting a sense of lack in you. Because they're telling you, only when you get this thing will you be satisfied. And so they're appealing to the sense of lack within you. And so I need to disconnect from this world system where they're communicating a sense of lack and connect to God who is always communicating to you that you are valuable, that you are loved, that you are more than enough, that you've been knitted and formed in the womb, that you are complete in Christ. And we're going to look at that this morning. So you've got to recognize that all temptation is common to every person. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in the Living Bible, it says, Remember this, the wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. Many others have faced exactly the same problems before you, and no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can stand up against it, for He has promised this and will do what He says. He will show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. In the NLT, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. So notice here, there are no unique temptations. See, the, the enemy wants you to think that what you are going through is unique to you. And then isolate you where you don't even go and want to ask anybody for help or stand with you in prayer. See, when you think that you're isolated and you're the only one who's having to go through what you are doing, man, you will never ever connect to God. Right. Amen? Amen? See, the temptations are, are not new. They might come in a different size box, a different wrapping paper, a different bow. The contents are always the same. Secondly, in this portion of Scripture, it says God is faithful, who gives you the way of escape. Not that God is guilty or that God is putting you into it. Amen? See, because I've heard in church, God will put you in situations to test your faith. <laughs> Hello? No, it's not true. God is faithful who gives you the way of escape, not who puts you into these things. You know, Jesus was tempted in all things yet without sin. He was the one who can relate to you when you are going through something. So in Hebrews 2.17, it says, Therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God, that he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing. He is able to help us when we are being tested. So it's not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to yield to it. Hello? But the Lord has said that He is faithful. 
See, the problem that we have is when we do sin, don't think of sin only as the bad things that you do. Think of sin as being the missing the mark from what God intended for you. So anything that is where you are living life and you are not experiencing the abundant life, that is missing the mark. Where I try to meet needs in my own strength rather than believing the truth of what God says. And so for many people, because their hearts are disconnected from the life of God, because of ignorance, because of no knowledge, because of the wrong view of God and themselves, they're not experiencing the abundant life, so they run from God and then try and meet needs in their own strength. So it's like me going to KFC and saying to the man behind the counter, please can I have an exhaust for my VW Combi? And the man looks at me and says, sir, you're in KFC. If you want the exhaust, go down the road to Speedy's and they'll give you an exhaust. And I say, no, I've heard from 10 people in Gauteng. This is the place for a VW exhaust. He's going to say, I don't care if you've heard from 10 people. This is KFC. And I say, no, no, no. I've heard from many, many, many people in this whole region. This is the place to come and get it. Listen, he's going to pick up the phone, dial 10111, a little white van's going to come with a blue light. They're going to take me away because I'm a crazy person. Because what do you get at KFC? Chicken. Fried chicken. Finger licking good chicken. You can't get an exhaust there. Amen. And the Bible says that we need to run to the throne room of grace. If you're looking for something else at the throne, you're not going to find it there. It's a throne room of grace where I receive grace, help, mercy in my time of need. Now, my time of need is when I'm being tempted. Or if I have just sinned. That's the time to run to God, not to run from God. Because I can know when I run to God, He's going to aid me. He's going to help me. He's going to give me the way of escape because He is faithful. Because He's good. Because His throne is a throne of grace. Now, grace is the ability of God at work within you. The definition of grace is a divine influence on your heart, enabling you to do that which you naturally cannot do in your own strength. So in my own strength, I might not be able to overcome this. But if I run to grace, if I run to the throne room of grace, God can divinely influence my heart where I'm no longer even tempted. See, you know, for many people, they're not doing something because of the fear of getting caught. But in their hearts, they are not free. So they are being tempted. They wake up every morning with this temptation to do something, yet they're not doing it because of the fear but they're not free. It's like taking a guy who steals cars, put him in jail. We think we've solved the problem because he's not stealing cars. But unless that guy has a heart change, he's sitting in jail talking to all his buddies there on what is the best way to steal cars. <laughs> so that when he comes out, he can be a more efficient car stealer. <laughs> That's not freedom. Freedom is when he no longer has a desire to steal cars. Freedom in my life is when I see the donuts. And I no longer have a desire to eat a dozen. Amen. That's freedom. That is victory. 
Victory is when my heart no longer needs that to make me feel something. That's true freedom. See, and that's where prayer is this place where I'm persuading my heart of the realities of who I am as a new creation in Christ, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that I'm loved apart from my behavior, that I'm accepted by God apart from what I do or don't do. Amen? Amen. See, for many people, they believe that maybe God is putting me into something to test me so that I can go to another level. Have you heard that before? Yes, that's not scriptural in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, it says, Let no man say when he is being tempted, tested, tried, scrutinized, that it is God. Because God tempts, tests, tries, and scrutinizes no man. So God is not the one putting you into something to try and test you to take you to another level. He is faithful. And then he goes on in verse 17, says, Because every good and perfect gift is from God, the Father of lights, where there is no variation, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Amen. God is good and only good to each one of us. So when I'm going through things, when I make poor choices, when I succumb to these things, I can't blame God. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 19.3, it says, The foolishness of man... Or people ruin their own lives through their own choices and then blame God or rage at God. Yet it's not God. It's just our own foolishness. Amen? Remember in Psalm chapter 78, it talks about the children of Israel, how they tested the Holy One of Israel. Yet people will say God is testing them. Who did the testing? The people did the testing. They tested God. It wasn't say, didn't say God was testing them. They tested God because of their unbelief, their refusal to believe the truth of what God says about them. Amen. So how do I avoid temptation? Good question. Well, number one, I have to use and speak the word. Do you remember Jesus when he was being tempted by the enemy? And the enemy said, hey, if you're a son of God, prove it. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus responded, it is written. Then he came with another temptation. If you say you're the, te- you're the son of God, prove it. Jump off here. And Jesus responded, it is written. The way that I can overcome temptation is by responding with the truth of it is written. And what I do is when I'm directing the course of my life through the power of my words, which are aligning with the truth of God's word, I begin to resist temptation. The enemy flees from me. Resist means to take a stand against. But what I'm doing is I'm drawing a line in the sand saying, listen, I don't need to prove myself to anybody because this is what the word says I am. So in Philemon 1 verse 6, it says, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you in Christ or for the sake of Christ. So the question here is saying, how many of you want your faith to be effective? Do you want your faith to work? Do you want your prayers answered? Well, first and foremost, you need to know that every prayer, the Bible says, or every promise is yes and amen. So God's not the problem. He's not withholding anything. But he's saying here, there is a way for my faith to become effective. There is a way for my faith to work. 
And he says, for my faith to become effective, I need to acknowledge every good thing that I have in Christ Jesus. See, this takes me from begging to sonship. This takes me coming with my shopping list, which I know none of us do, to this place of ownership. This takes me from this place thinking that I need to get something to the place of acknowledging I have everything. Because that's what the scripture says. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. The Bible says you have been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. We partake of that through the divine nature. Amen. We partake of that by acknowledging the truth. So for my faith to become effective, to move from this place of old covenant mindset that I need to do stuff to get something, to this place to recognizing that I'm a son who has everything, my prayer life changes to thanksgiving. Where I'm entering into this place thanking God that I have all things. And because of that, I can begin to speak the word. And I can resist the temptation to believe lies, thinking that I need to do something to twist God's arm into this place of thanksgiving, knowing that he's an open-handed father who has given all things. And it says that in Romans chapter 8, if God delivered up his son for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So we need to move our, our thinking, we need to renew our minds Through confession of the word. Now, I'm not confessing the word because I need to change God's mind. Who is confession for? Confession is for me. God is already persuaded. I need to get persuaded. And so I use the word of God to persuade my heart of the truth. Rather than thinking that if I confess the word, God will hear my confession and then change his mind. Amen. So speak the word. Humble yourself. Resist the devil. Secondly, simple logic. If you're in an environment where you're being tempted, change your environment. Remember Joseph when he was in an environment with a lady, Potiphar's wife, and she grabbed his cloak? He left his cloak and he ran. Listen, if you're being tempted, run. Run away. You know, when I was a single man, I went with a friend of mine just after Bible school. And um, we were going to scuba dive from Sedwana Bay to Cape Town, all the good spots. And we ended up at Kai Mouth. I was a single, fit, strong young man then, eh? looking for a wife, just out of Bible school. And every day we would go, after we scuba dived, to the little restaurant where there was a pool table. And there was a a young lady working behind the counter there who drew a fancy to me. And the one evening she told me, tonight it's on. (laughs) I went and I got my lock and I locked myself in my tent. I locked myself in the tent. And we woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I told my friend, we're leaving now. You've got to run, brother. 
Don't wait to see what's going to happen. Run. How many of you played paintball? Some of you played paintball. Man, if you're taking shots, get out of there. Sometimes you just got to get out of there. Run. If your friends are causing you to be tempted, change your environment, change your friends. Run, brother. Amen. Thirdly, in, in prayer and to avoid temptation, you have to change your feelings of lack and start believing who you are in Jesus. See, because temptation only comes when I start to feel lack within me. Where I start to feel, oh, look what society is telling me. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not handsome enough. I don't have the right shoes. I don't have the right car. I don't have the right house. I don't have the right... I don't have... If I get that, then maybe I will feel better about myself. And then we get into debt, trying to please people. Kenneth Hagin said this. He said, if you are living for the approval of people, you will die by their criticisms. We are not here to try and get approval from anybody. And we have to deal with these feelings of lack within us. I don't have the right education. I'm not big enough. I'm not small enough. And we come up with all of these things that society is trying to put on us. And we have to deal with these feelings of lack by coming to the truth of what does God say about you. And what God says about you is that you are loved with an everlasting love. What God says about you is that you have been adopted as his own child. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you. That he values you. You know that you will never abuse something that has value. But if you don't believe your value, you will be abused, you will allow yourself to be abused, and you will abuse yourself. Come on. But if something has value, you look after it. Hallelujah. And you are valuable to God. And He determined your value. When He looked around heaven, He didn't chip off something from the pearly gates. He didn't sweep some gold off the streets saying, I'm going to exchange that for you. God looked around heaven And he said, what is the most costly thing I have? And he saw his son, Jesus. And he said, I'm prepared to give my son. Jesus, would you be prepared to give of yourself for my most prized possession, you? And he determined your value. You have been redeemed not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. In Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. You are complete in Him. You are complete in Him. Don't allow anybody, don't allow your past, don't allow what has happened to you, don't allow what people have said, don't allow what the enemy is saying to try and tell you that you are something that God says that you are. And God says that you are complete. Yet we want to define ourselves by our education, our past, our brokenness, the things that have happened to us. And we say that is who we are. Yet the Bible says that you are complete in Christ. God cannot find fault with you. The Bible says that you are presented. Jesus himself presents you before God as holy and blameless and without fault in his sight. Think about that. The Son of God himself takes you into the very presence of God. And Jesus himself presents you before the Father. As totally perfect and innocent. Yet we want to define ourselves by what's happened on this earth. Rather than defining ourselves by what God says. 
you are complete in Christ. Change your mindset in terms of your prayer life, in terms of when faced with temptations, to say, no, I'm complete. I don't need that to make me happy. I don't need to do something, get something, or have something to make me feel different. You see, what does it help me if I'm believing God for something, and then I get it, but I still feel the same way about myself? I still feel like a loser. So I have the nice car, but I still feel like I'm worthless. See, that's why prayer should be about establishing a healthy self-worth in your heart. That whether you have the car or don't, doesn't change who you are. Because you know who you are. A blessed one. Amen. Why don't you just bow your heads right now. I'm going to ask Mama D to come up. Maybe you're seated here this morning. Maybe life has been rough to you. Maybe you've been with people or circumstances who've told you that you are something that you are not. And you've allowed that to define you. I want to let you know this morning that we are here to admonish and teach you that you are not what has happened to you. You are not what your past wants to tell you. You are who God says you are. Holy, set apart, loved, accepted, valuable, blessed, priceless, knitted together by God himself. A winner. The focus of God's love, that is who you are. That right now, God's love is focused on you. The spotlight is on you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you that you see each one of us. This lady in the white, you're looking at me with the white dress and the black jacket. Can you just wave at me? Yes. Um, I see a picture for you of a, of a tattoo where... You, you see these Netflix stories of bad tattoos and they go and they think they've had this a skull or something like that and then they go to a new tattoo artist and they transform what was a skull or a demon into this beautiful rose. And I just feel God saying to you this morning, you thought your past was very permanent. Where... When people see you, that tattoo is evident. And you haven't been able to go past that. But I want to tell you this morning that God is the best tattoo artist. And he's transformed your life into this beautiful rose. That when people see you, they're not seeing your past. And that when they look at you, they only see the new creation. And God's reminding you, you need to let go of this past. This is not your identity. This is not who you are. You have been transformed. 1 Corinthians, you have a new nature. And he has overwritten what you thought was a bad tattoo. Amen. Thank you. Does that make sense to you? Thank you, Lord. Amen. So good. Thank you, Father.
Father, we just trust you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you take us out of the miry clay. Thank you, Lord. This lady here in the, this, with the fur coat, can I pray for you? Can you just wave at me? That Good. But what is your name? Fazela. Fazai. Fazai. Father, thank you for Fazai right now. Thank you, Lord, for her life. Fazai, I just, I just get the word lily of the valley for you. And they're those beautiful white little flowers that grow right in the valley. And I just feel in my heart that you felt even in the valley you were forgotten. And that you even thought, well, God, where are you in this situation? And God has seen you this morning. And he has said to you, there is such beauty in you. That there is this purity that you haven't been forgotten, that he's been with you right there. And in that, that space is your beauty. Some people think they have to climb mountains. He's reminding you that you are beautiful where you are right now, that he hasn't forgotten you. You are precious in his sight. Amen. You are beautiful. You are loved. You have been seen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You are so faithful, Father. That lady with the green dress, can you wave at me? Until someone with green dress waves at me, I won't say anything. No, 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 sorry, not you. You see, there's many green dresses. Keep going. Yes, you. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> I will come back to you. <laughs> yes, it's you. May I pray for you? Thank you, Father. Sora the, the Lord is showing me a picture for you this morning where everything else is perfect, but you feel like you have this, this chain with a ball, you know, like the old prisoners used to walk around with, and it's almost like everyone is seeing this bit, but they're not seeing this chain that you are, you are, you are carrying around. And I believe this morning's word is for you. That God is declaring you are free. You are free. And you have the key to that chain. You've been waiting for somebody else to come and smash it. And God says this morning, you have the key. And I'm declaring freedom in your life. I'm declaring 
that you will dance. You haven't been able to have that complete joy. You've watched others and said, why can't I be free like them? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I speak freedom into your life this morning. As a sign in the spirit, I want you to take your key and go to your ankles right now and say, I am free. Just do it with me. Just say, free. You are free. That chain is no longer yours. And the joy is going to hit you. You are going to feel the freedom you've waited for for a very long time. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. With the other green dress, I will pray for you. <laughs> I love Father God. He never leaves anyone else out. What is your name? Yes. Princess. Princess. Amen. Thank you, Father, for Princess right now. Thank you for her. So, <laughs> it's interesting your name is Princess because your word has a princess in it, Princess. <laughs> I actually get the picture of Moses in the basket where the Princess of Egypt received him. And... I believe that you as the princess, there is something very significant coming your way. That is not your culture. It's not what you thought was coming. But that there is a Moses in a basket about to arrive at your doorstep that God is entrusting you with. And he's going to bring destiny through this next season in your life that you didn't even know was coming and as a princess you thought it would come this way you have your plans and I'm going to and there's a Moses coming to you and I'm, I'm excited to see what that Moses is but there's destiny that you didn't know so look for a different package amen amen thank you I bless that Father, I just give this morning to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for our hearts that are open to receive from you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are our teacher and our guide, our comforter. And we just give you this time today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I, you know, I also just sense that somebody for somebody seated here this morning. I just sense the Lord saying that you are sitting in a jail cell, but the doors are wide open. You need to just get up and start walking into freedom. Get up and start walking into the freedom that God has for you. And that you sitting in a jail cell is just the illusion of what you know. And that there's a whole new life waiting for you. If you're willing just to step into a new identity, you are not a prisoner. 
you're a free man. Don't you bow your heads. Maybe you came here this morning. You don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching online. You've never received Jesus. The Bible says you must be born again. You need to be born anew by the Spirit of God. And the way that you do that is by believing in Jesus, that He died for you, that He rose again, and confessing Him as your Lord and Savior. So if you're seated here this morning, you've never prayed that prayer, you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray with you this morning. With no one looking around, if that's you, you'd like me to lead you in that prayer. Why don't you just slip up your hand so I can see you, and I'm going to pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're watching online, you've never prayed this, but you'd like to this morning. Why don't you just acknowledge or type something there in the comments to say, this is me. And for those of you who wanted to put up your hands or put up your hands this morning, why don't you just pray with me, pray after me. Why don't all of us pray together? Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. I believe in you, Lord. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you are Lord of all. Thank you, Father, that you love me. You've adopted me as your child. I belong to you. I am righteous, holy, forgiven, and accepted by you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Tafara. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.